0: Hello everybody, I'm him And I'm Melanie And we want to welcome you to another episode of the Biblical Family Life Practical
1: And today, we're going to get really practical We're going to talk about how do you teach your kids discernment How do you teach them how to imbibe media through biblical lenses
0: Did you watch the Academy Awards last week? I did not I didn't either No interest I, <laughs> no, And
1: no, I interest, love movies, but, I love films mm-hmm. But it's just become a political thing, a political statement
0: but, you know what, media is all around us, and our kids are not going to be able to avoid it, not that they really want to avoid it, and, and so we need to teach them how to how to process it like a Christian, because it's so easy to get bowled over by it.
1: Well, it is, and, and yet media changes culture. Right. Media has changed culture throughout history, mm-hmm. I and mean, we can look at so many times a book at the right time changed the world. Yeah. And but- so, you know... Given that, then we've got to teach our kids how to handle this right.
0: Well, you know what? An illustration I heard somebody say, they said, whenever there is a big revolution in media, in communications, two things happen. It's immediately used to communicate the gospel, and it's immediately used to broadcast pornography. Yeah. And it doesn't matter if you're talking about the printed word or you're talking about radio or movies or or, or streaming online. There's going to be fantastic stuff, and there's going to be stuff that you really need to avoid. And you kids need to understand that you need to teach them enough so that they're not caught by surprise, that they're not lured into traps, that they don't stumble into bad neighborhoods, but rather to say, I think that path goes a place that God would want me to follow.
1: Well, you know, every time we talk about this, I think about Francis Schaefer's book, Art in the Bible.
0: That is such a good resource. Yeah,
1: because he yeah. he explains this in great detail. Mm-hmm. How do you how do you look at art? There's there's a couple of things there. Mm-hmm. There's good art or bad art and there's good message or bad mess or bad message. We don't yeah. have much trouble recognizing bad art or bad message.
0: Yeah, when you're talking about bad art, you mean the skill of the artist. Yeah, that you know, are they able to write really a, done. can they write a coherent sentence? Can they tell a story? Can they handle the camera? I mean, you know, are they are they doing good, you know, art, but then the message, what is what are they communicating? Are they right. communicating well, but what are they communicating? And and I think that's a really important thing because you know, just like Schaefer was pointing out, as Christians you want to be looking for supporting well executed art that gives a good message.
1: Good art with a good message because yes. okay. And We don't have any problem recognizing that Rembrandt. I mean, you know, Rembrandt was amazing. It was a good message. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's good art with good message. Bad art, bad message, oh, that's trash. We
0: we recognize that. We know the trash.
1: Where we get messed up is bad art with a good message where we we tolerate
0: Mm -hmm.
1: badly done things because it's got a good message. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah.
1: Or what is with a really dangerous part is bad good art with a bad message.
0: Where you got where you got a story which doesn't glorify God, which contradicts scripture, which teaches immoral ideas, but the music is so good. Or the special Uh, effects were just incredible.
1: Well I see Christians all the time. Yeah. Talking about movies on social media and gushing over something or another and Mm -hmm. I think, did they even pay attention? Because the message was horrible.
0: You know, one of my one of my teachers in high school, very conservative older lady, she said she remembered she remembered hearing about a um, one of the scandalous books in, in her younger years. Uh, I'm not even gonna mention the title, but she said she was at the library one day and and this prim older lady came walking in and she very quietly slid that book across the circulation counter to return it. And the librarian said, Why, Miss Jones, I never would have thought you'd be read and she said, well, it was so beautifully written. Um,
1: yeah, that no, no, n- uh, no. You don't
0: don't be that. Don't be that. Don't, Jones. Be that uh-uh, don't, don't be that lady. Uh uh
1: Don't be. Don't be the one that goes for that.
0: But we do get roped in too easily. So, so the question. Well, is, well
1: we I get roped mean, in because media is addicting, and you know, I I said that the other day, and so I kind of freaked out. And said, you know, don't don't overplay. No, it really is physically addicting. Okay. Particularly if you are watching things that give you a reward of some kind. For example, mm-hmm. porn, gaming, mm-hmm. where you're having that excitement, the hormones flowing, that yeah. your body becomes addicted to that and it seeks mm-hmm. more and more and more. And, you know, we know people who have had their lives derailed by just an internet addiction, not even not gaming even po- or not gambling or just,
0: just the intellectual stimulus of. Going down every little wormhole in Wikipedia, you know, yeah, that's something that have to, you have to recognize the effect that the media is having on you. It's one of those things where there's so much, there's so much good that can be communicated through media. You don't want to let the power, the power for good be mishandled in your own life. And, and so yeah. that's, I think that's one of the things, you know, because I want our kids to be as as innocent as doves but as wise as serpents
1: yeah.
0: you know that they need to understand like it says in Hebrews I think it's chapter five in Hebrews it says that that the mature believer has learned to discern good from evil by means of use by means of exercising discernment they've they yeah. learned good and evil and they recognize it that doesn't mean you go chasing down all of those bad neighborhoods and and revel in all the awfulness that's available, but rather to say, okay, here's a choice. This door leads someplace that looks pretty sketchy, and I think I know why. This door leads to a safer place, so let's choose the good door. And, you know, recognizing that there are choices out there, our kids are going to be confronted with choices. How do we teach them to recognize where those doorways are or what kind of pathway they may be walking on? That's the question we want to talk about.
1: Well, and the first thing is you just got to talk. Mm-hmm. You got to talk to them. You know, I remember several years ago when Dr. Who was a big deal among the teens and twenties in our area. Okay. And a bunch of kids in our church were watching and, and y'all, some of it is all right. Some of it is terrible. And so it's very mixed. It's very mixed. And so mm-hmm. we thought this is a good opportunity and invited a bunch of kids mm-hmm. from our church to come out of our house. And we watched several episodes and discussed each other. Mm-hmm. And what was fascinating to me is that all these kids—and I mean, these are kids raised in very self-consciously Christian homes, mm-hmm. homes where the parents are very intentionally discipling them. Yeah. And all the kids except my kids said, "I've never had anybody talk to me like this about about it. Well, I've never discussed a movie like this." Like, yeah. What?
0: It's almost as if there's a little box that we have isolated in our heads to saying, this is the entertainment box and it doesn't count. It counts. But it does. And, and see, that's just it. You know, Christ is Lord of everything. The, the, the world is his and that includes art and Hollywood and novels and, you know, all of that belongs to the Lord. And so it's appropriate to say, I've got my biblical lenses on here. Yes. What does the Bible tell me about uh, this particular entertainment. We're not talking about whole genre, you know, but it's just to say this particular thing right here. This movie that I'm looking at, this episode of a of a series on TV. What is it communicating? Is it true?
1: So again, right idea. Why don't we share with them the questions that we talk about with our kids? Okay. And then in the second half, okay, let's apply this to a, to a real movie that we've recently watched.
0: Well, sure. Sure, I got a couple. We could do that. So, all right. So, one of the things we do with our kids, well, first off, is we watch things with them. We go places with them. You know, and so if they want to see a movie, they were oh, the new Marvel movie's coming out that you know, or there's something that they're interested in. One of us will go with them if it's something. Yeah, we we do a little research if it's something that's just (laughs) obviously trash. We think you
1: know. we're not saying we don't let our 16 year olds go to the movies with us. That would be kind of crazy. No, but, but the- we love to go as a family. We love to go to the movies together. And in fact, a lot of times our teens and even 20s will say, "Hey, you want to go to the movies with me?" Because they love to discuss it with us. Oh, yeah,
0: yeah. And so, so you know, share media with your with your young people. Whether you're watching it at home, mm-hmm. whether you're whether you go to the theater, whatever you do, share the media and then talk about it. Talk about it, and that's the key. It's not just. A, well, wow, that was a fun movie. Okay, maybe it was fun. But what did the movie have to say? What does the story tell? What's the moral of the story that this movie or whatever it was about?
1: So what kind of things do we talk about? We talk yeah. about what is the theme. Now, this is not what is the plot.
0: The plot is the story. It's just, you know, you know tell me the story. Okay, yeah. But what is the story communicating?
1: What did, What did the, screen ray, the screenwriters and the director, what were they Trying to get you to do or believe, mm-hmm. and this is really the crux of the matter when you discuss this. You know, I remember one children's film that we saw uh, that the theme of the movie was that business is bad, small business is terrible, family business is the worst. I'm
0: mm-hmm. Like, we're
1: very entrepreneurial family. This is terrible. Yeah, yeah.
0: The whole thing. The whole thing was basically like the world is like a, a living being, and it's and it's more important than than you people, human persons, you know?
1: And so we, we ask, hmm, what, no. I, what is the thing? What is it trying to teach you? And then yeah. let's look at the characterizations.
0: You See, that's an important thing because characterization is how the author, the screenwriter, the actors, whatever, how they, they connect with you. Yes. That's how they say, okay, I'm playing a certain character. He has certain personality traits. He has certain motivations that maybe he's aware of, maybe he's not. How do I communicate that to you? How do I? And so as you watch this character being developed through the story, you connect with that person. And, you know, there's there's questions like, is this is this person motivated by good motivations or are they selfish or evil motivations? You know, are they are they evil, but cloaked in in goodness on the outside. you got to be you know? careful
1: about that, about moral inversions in characters. Oh gosh, yes. you be super careful where somebody who ought to be a good guy is a bad guy.
0: Or, and, the, all right, for example, I just saw a video on the rack at Walmart the other day. It was from one of the one of these caper films. It was about a gang of jewel thieves or art thieves. A gang of thieves, basically. But it was all very well, glamorous awesome. and up, upbeat and high-tech. Yeah. You know what? It's a movie about thieves. Is this good? Is good to be looking at, you know, look at it and cheering on these very likable
1: criminals. So that's a moral inversion. And yes. it's the technique used mm-hmm. where they make a character so likable that you identify with them and you begin living their story with them mm-hmm. until you're cheering them on and they evil. Mm-hmm. And you gotta be super careful about that. I found myself doing that with a book I picked up in the lake one time and mm-hmm realized yeah, you know, that I really like this character. And I suddenly realize what she was about to do, and I'm cheering her on. I'm like, "Whoa, throw that away!" You know. Mm-hmm. So you you watch in characters, you watch for more inversions, mm-hmm. you watch for is justice done. There's going to be bad things that happen. The, the, the greatest story of all, yeah, started with men sin. You know, and,
0: and that's that's a key thing because in a foreign world, any realistic story is going to have to deal with. Problems of sin. It's
1: gonna be evil. whether
0: it's selfishness, whether it's theft, whether it's some sort of sin, now what happens with that? You know, do they just find an elaborate way to get away with it? Or is there is there justice that's done at the end, or is there a change in the Yeah, is there, yeah, it's when there
1: redemption
0: a, when you see a character who changes during the course of the story, start out like okay, good example if you the original Iron Man movie yeah. Tony Stark? This is that Joe? Yeah. He's a big playboy and he's a luncher and he's just he's awful. But you see, as he goes through the story, he things change in his life and he starts to see other people and he starts to be concerned about others.
1: Until by the end of the Avengers, he was willing to give his life to protect the city.
0: And so you see yeah, that exactly. redemption aspect, that's an important part of at the start, you say, huh.
1: Well, what, a what a character, time. yeah. Is, this, is it fantasy? Is it science fiction? Is it historical fiction? Because there are different things you need to look for in each of those genres. Mm-hmm. In historical fiction, is it true to history?
0: Oh, you gosh. So many, times, so many times that people want to take a historical situation and tell a modern melody tale from it. That's no, not, well. not accurate because it's not the way they thought. That's not what motivated people in those years.
1: And science yeah. fiction, I watched some science fiction this week that was actually really good. But science fiction is. All has a problematic worldview because it seems to attract people who want to create a world with their own laws and not God's laws.
0: You know, some, and so somebody speaking of law, somebody observed that uh, detective stories and police procedurals and that kind of love those. Those, those actually, it's a pretty good genre because it, it all pins on the existence of right and wrong, good and evil. And ultimately, there's justice, stories about yeah. justice being done, about yeah. good persons coming to defend the righteous, to defend the innocent, to bring justice for those who've wronged in some way. That's actually, that's a, you know, that's most of those stories, the traditional type anyway, are fairly, fairly good storyline, you know? Yeah, and, and so, so, you know, ask yourself about different genres like that. Um,
1: and finally, ask, ask how the director or the screenwriter brought the theme, what do these characterization setting um, genre, what different ways did they, did they drive that theme home?
0: Oh, okay, so now you're talking because, about the art of it again. Right, because, because
1: that draws back the curtain. You know, you see a magician, Disney, you go, wow, that was amazing. Then he tells you how he did it, and you go, nah.
0: Okay, you classic. Know? Casablanca, the yes. Humphrey Bogart film. If you watch Casablanca, oh, it's a fascinating story. the sto- story, but if you watch the movie, Rick, the good guy, the hero, is always in a beam of light. Even if he's in a dark room, there's there's light coming through the window shades. He's the only thing that's lit up. He's,
1: and the bad guy is always in shadow.
0: He's always shadow. And and so that's kind of that's the director's little little clue. Good guy, you know, the good guy wears a white hat. The good guy standing in a beam of light.
1: And this is a huge thing for your kids because when they begin to see the art. And understand how they're being manipulated; they will not be as easily manipulated.
0: You know, you bring to their attention, and I know, I know, we, we're going to break this second. but <laughs> We'll make this one last. Okay. Bring to their attention what, like, the music is doing. You know, how did they, how did they communicate what's happening on the screen? How did they set the emotional tone with the music? And it's really funny if you ever see something where the music's not correct. Yeah. The music's not right. You know, there was one movie, a movie done about the. Uh, the hijacking of United 93 during 9-11 many years ago, the uh, composer that did the soundtrack said he had to really work hard to tone down the emotions of it because it was so wrenching. So he said he had to really very intentionally kind of be comforting with the music rather than build it up. But look, speaking of building up, we need to build up something here.
1: Yes. We want to invite you to come check out CraftsmanCrate.com. Mm-hmm. That is our subscription box. Mm -hmm. The subscription box that builds your skills. And it has, it teaches you artisanal skills, real life, adult skills that you use for hobbies the rest of your life.
0: Oh, we've had things like, we've had had a box to teach wood carving. we had a box to teach calligraphy. Calligraphy. We've got a really neat one coming out this month. And so, so, yeah, if you want to to know some more about this, trust me, you want to know some more about this, yeah. Go to CraftsmanCrate.com and you can find out all about it there. Yes. Okay? So,
1: So... Let's talk for a minute about how does this apply to a movie?
0: Okay, so let's let's talk. Yeah, let's talk about some real life movies. We're, We're we're talking about the question of how do you teach discernment to your kids who are swimming in a sea of media? What do you teach them to do? How to understand the the things that are coming at them? And, and really look at the world through biblical lenses. Even if it's just the world on your screen, even if it's just entertainment, because you know, what? Proverbs do say that that sin is like sports to a fool. I mean, yeah. just the games we play are are important too. So let's talk about entertainment. Let's let's talk about what did you see recently? You also, well, we got, saw it pre-release. You saw a pre-release. We first.
1: saw How to Train Your Dragon three. Okay, um, the Hidden World in right. pre-release, mm-hmm. and I was. I didn't want to go see it. I was not impressed with number two.
0: Number two was not not that great.
1: I was super frustrated with number two because I felt like it excused the mother abandoning her family. And that really upset me as a mom. What? Right. But, you know, when I, I was pleasantly surprised with, with Train Your Dragon 3, I loved it. Mm-hmm. I thought it was great. The The idea is the dragons and the people of Berk are all living together now. And it looks like a utopia, but they're problems.
0: What? Okay.
1: The dragons are big, and it's kind of a mess, and there's, it, they're overcrowded. And there are dragon raiders and pirates that are coming and stealing dragons and yeah. capturing them.
0: Yeah. Now, if, you, if you're not familiar with this whole franchise, just real quick, the, the story starts on this little, it's almost like Iceland is kind of the way it feels. It's like a little Viking community. And they are played with dragons, but then this young Viking learns how to tame them. Yes. He learns how to control them. And they and they all realize, oh, wait a minute. We don't have to be afraid of dragons. We just have to understand them. And they learn and they tame them. And they're like flying horses now in the second movie. And so now they have these dragons that are kind of, they're sort of like in partnership with dragons. And that's part of their community as this Viking outpost. But as you say, there are people who do steal the dragons,
1: and they're and so getting stronger and stronger. Okay. And the people of Berg realize something's got to change. Okay. Meanwhile, the Dragon Raiders are trying to lure away Toothless because he is the last of the
0: Night Furies. The toothless is the dragon, the first dragon that was trained, right? Okay,
1: so, and uh-huh. not know, content-wise, you know, I thought it had few problems. Mm-hmm. You, you know, it's set in. Pagan Viking days, and so you do hear some by Thor about by- or things like that. Yeah, but some of the things that I was concerned about in the second movie and in the Netflix
0: series mm-hmm.
1: that I problematic content, their
0: problematic content is that yeah. series developed
1: were yeah. it was absent in
0: this sequel. Well,
1: and in fact, marriage was held up as a, as something honorable and a goal and something everyone should aspire to. Okay, so I was being pressed.
0: Well, okay, well that's good. So so. What would you Then we've been talking plot, we've been talking story here. Yes. What would you say is a theme? And one of the things we do notice is oftentimes movies have several themes. Sometimes it's very clearly stated, sometimes it's just displayed. What themes did you see in How to Train Your Dragon? 3?
1: There were two major things. Mm-hmm. Um, the first at, at first glance it would be tempting to say one of the things was if you love something, let it go, but it was really deeper than that. Mm-hmm. I think a better and more biblical way to put it is love is putting someone else's needs ahead of your own. Okay. And we see this illustrated super clearly uh, when Hiccup says, all I could think about was creating the world I wanted. I never thought about what you needed.
0: This is the young dragon tamer from the first movie. Now he's right. the young chief of this cl- of this tribe. This right. clan. Yeah.
1: And the the second thing, mm-hmm. which is related, is that love is worth the sacrifice. Interesting. And we see two times that this thing is very clearly stated. And you know, mm-hmm. it, it, sometimes, like the, the first one, sometimes they just will out and out tell you the thing if mm-hmm. you watch for it. Yeah. The Stoic, who is Hiccup's father at one point, says, love means lost, but it's worth it.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And then, in, in a, and I'm not going to spoil it for you. Right. But in this huge crisis, crisis Hiccup shouts, save him. Uh-huh. And you see this, you see this theme come into play there. Okay. And what happens after that?
0: Interesting. Okay. And so
1: the, that's two things that, mm-hmm. that you want to look for in how to train your dragon and, and draw to your kids' attention.
0: Okay. Because
1: once they start identifying themes, it's really exciting to see them. We've seen this in our kids that then they start noticing themes on their own out in the wild. Mm-hmm. You know, a theme in a song, in a book, in a movie. And when they start doing that, then they begin to be intelligent consumers of media.
0: And when you recognize the theme, then you're not you're not as likely to be led astray by it. Right. And sometimes, sometimes when you recognize the theme, it's kind of like recognizing, all right, there's a rough spot on the road here. It doesn't mean you can't drive down that road, but you just have to be careful at certain points.
1: Right, exactly. And also that means that when you watch something with your kids that have it has a negative theme like the theme in the second Train Your, Train your Dragon that it's mm-hmm. important to fulfill your dreams even if it costs you your family. That's a horrible theme. Yes. That you, you can take some of the teeth out of it by explaining it to your kids and saying, did you notice this? Mm-hmm. Did you notice how, how this played out? Right. And I really felt like some of that was better explained in this film and it was clear that that was not a good thing, that she went away mm-hmm. in this film. Um, let's talk about characterization and How to Train a Dragon. Okay. It's interesting to me, and this is very common in kids' films, that bad guys are easy to identify because they look evil.
0: Right, right. And so they're going to look scary, they're going to dress rougher, they'll have tattoos or, or weird Jewelry or something on, you know, and so they obviously they're bad,
1: and and also the, it portrays big, muscly people as kind of dumb, and it, this is a problem with, with the characterization, and mm-hmm. something that you need to bring up with your kids because really the Bible tells us that bad things can be beautiful. Yeah,
0: we are worried about that specifically yeah.
1: Yeah. Second Corinthians eleven. Mm-hmm. Says that false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ, and, and no wonder,
0: because Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Yeah, it doesn't make him an angel of light; he just looks like
1: one. It's really important, especially in a world where there's people trying to take advantage of children, to explain to our kids that bad guys don't don't necessarily and often don't look bad or evil. Right. Because, yeah, they could look great, and yeah,
0: that we very look. They look very plausible. They and, want to be. They want you to like them and trust them. That's how they get their. Uh, that's how they get their hooks into you.
1: And you so know? we need so, to encourage our kids to judge people by what they do, right, and not what they look like. Yeah. You know, and that's a good. That's a good segue too. That you can talk to your kids about race there too. That okay. it's that we that well. I think about when the prophet Samuel was looking, God had sent him out to find the next king of Israel, and he's like, ooh, that looks like a king over there.
0: Yes, he goes to the house of Jesse, and they call his sons in, and he's looking at him and saying, oh, he's tall, and he's good-looking, and the Lord says, man judges by what he sees, but the Lord looks on the heart, Yeah, and I have not chosen this one. He
1: says, I've refused him.
0: I've refused this one. And it's, you know, it was the one that was hiding, you know, the one that that was out, um, you know, the the lesser son, the younger, the one who, like, oh, he's not important. He's just a shepherd. I mean, just don't, don't pay attention to him. But rather, that's the one that the Lord had chosen. So, yeah, we need to learn to look. And, you know, we saw a movie recently, which I'm not sure if we want to get into right now, except.
1: Well, I wanna, before except, we leave this, I want to say something yes. in here. Yeah, you know, the Lord has said he is made of one blood, every nation of men to, to dwell on the face of the earth. Mm-hmm. I think it's really important to drive home to our kids that. We can't judge people by their outward appearance at all.
0: Right. That it's, we judge them by what they do. Neither to approve nor to disapprove. Yeah.
1: Now, go ahead. What were you well, going to say? Well, I was
0: just going to say we saw a movie recently, which kind of needs longer discussion. But the thing that I thought was impressive about it was the the lead actress in this romantic movie was not, shall we say, your classical uh, actress for a romantic lead. Yeah. You know, she was not. She was. Definitely not. I mean, it was like emphatically that was part of her story was that she is not the kind of person you picture when you think of the romantic lead. And, and yet, you know, you find as you go through the movie that she does have deep feelings and she's capable of deep feelings. And she's actually there's a lot going for her. But if you just you know, picked them out of a lineup, you might make a snap judgment, say, oh, she's going to be she's going to be comedy. She's going to be a, a joke. You know, she's the clown in the story, right? No, actually, she's the lead. And so that was that was one that we saw. But anyway, any rate, um, you know, we do this with all of the movies with our kids. And, and you don't have to do it every single time. But do it enough that it becomes a habit to say, you know, when they go to the movies by themselves, when they come back, say, what did you think of the movie? Right, what themes did you see there?
1: And what's really cool about it is they get to enjoy it. You know, our kids kind of see it as as a code that they get to break. And you know they they are. I want to. I want to. No, I want to tell what it was. Mm-hmm. They love discussing movies, and in fact, they look forward to it. You know, when we watch something
0: together. You know, one of the fun things about that is that that's really a literary skill.
1: It really is, and it will teach them to, to analyze literature mm-hmm. because those are the very same things we're talking about to teach your kids discernment is the way that they'll analyze literature to, to look and say. What's the theme? What is the characterization? What's the setting? Mm-hmm. What genre is it? How does how does all of this impact the theme? Mm-hmm. That's how you analyze literature. And you yeah. can teach it to little kids even. And what's great about it is that way they can see everything through a biblical lens. They can right. begin to say, is this a righteous theme or an unrighteous thing?
0: And you know, I or is think, this mixed? And it's worth pointing out that Every good movie doesn't mention God by name. No, You know, every good movie, you know, we're saying, is it communicating things which are true? Is it realistic to life? Does it show the goodness of God and the order in creation and the sense that there is control in the, in the universe around, you know, that those are all, those are true and biblical themes. Even if they don't mention the Bible, even if they don't mention God, Yet, God has an orderly creation, and there is right, and there is wrong, and there is justice.
1: Well, I think it was Tolkien that said, every, every great story has elements of the greatest story. Yeah. You know, that the greatest story that
0: mm-hmm.
1: we have rebelled against God, and yet he has provided, he has provided redemption for, for us through the sacrifice of his son. Yes. You know, that, that
0: mm-hmm.
1: all we need is to trust him.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that is the greatest story—the the fight between good and evil—and the very best story tells some elements of the of the greatest story of all. Well said. So,
0: well, look, I think that's a good a good point to knock off. Um, we've been talking about teaching your kids discernment, particularly when they're looking at media because they're going to be surrounded by it. Let's help them to navigate those waters with some wisdom and some good judgment. And uh, you know, go back and. Go back and listen to the other section if you, uh, if you didn't quite catch the questions that we're trying to ask, ask and answer. And what, we want to thank our sponsor this week, the uh, Evangelical Christian Credit Union. We're going to be sending yes. out some information about them to our email list. So uh, we just want to say go to ECCU.com if you are interested in a Christ-honoring banking alternative. Is um, there anything else you want to throw in here? Right yeah, there?
1: check out craftsmancrate.com, craftsmancrate.com, craftsmancrate.com and our blog and stores is at raisingwellman.com. Subscribe and follow us.
0: Yes. And if you are in the Midwest this month, we are going to be in Rogers, Arkansas for Teaching Diligently.
1: And then Nashville, Tennessee. And then in
0: Nashville, Tennessee. And if you come to one of those events, we would love to talk to you. Please stop by. Let us know that you're a podcast listener and you watch us on YouTube or whatever. We'd love to meet you. Look, we appreciate your time. We hope this has been a benefit to you. We're glad that you joined us and hope that you will join us again as we try to take biblical principles to the 21st century family. Until next time, I'm Hal.
1: And I'm Melanie.
0: Thanks for listening. Bye, y'all. You've been listening to Making Biblical Family Life Practical with Hal and Melanie Young. If you found this program interesting, challenging, and encouraging, why not join us on the web at halandmelanie.com. That's H-A-L-A-N-D-M-E-L-A-N-I-E.com. Or follow us on social media. You can find us on Facebook at Facebook Melanie or Facebook.com slash Raising Real Men. This program is a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. Join us next week when we'll be back to talk about making biblical family life practical. Until then, thank you and God bless you for listening.